Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Star Wars Doctrine. Uh, it's me here, Logan, today, and we're going to be discussing the latest leak regarding the Obi-Wan Kenobi TV series. Now, this leak isn't necessarily the most confirmed leak, and it's one of the reasons we haven't posted about it, but I still felt it was important enough to make a podcast about dis- discussing the um, importance of this leak and poten- the potential it holds for the Obi-Wan Kenobi TV series. Now, as probably many of you have heard, the Obi-Wan Kenobi TV series actually was originally all scripted out and all written, but after feeling that the show's premise of Obi-Wan protecting Luke and watching after him on Tatooine was way too similar of a premise of the Mandalorian with Mando watching over Baby Yoda or the child, uh, Disney wanted a rewrite, and they've been rewriting the script ever since. So exactly what this show is going to be about is now a little more up in the air, because originally we were all expecting it to be about Obi-Wan's adventures while protecting Luke and following maybe some of the legends of comics and um, even books that dealt with a similar subject matter. So the latest link comes from the Illuminati, and it's a casting call leak. And the casting call hints at the return of Leia in the Obi-Wan Kenobi show. Now, obviously, Luke was also hinted at in the same casting call, and that comes out as a whole lot less of a surprise. The leak, um, the casting call's a sp- specific wording is it's calling for a precious boy and girl ages 8 to 11 to fill two lead roles. Now, this isn't necessarily saying, hey, we're looking for someone to play Luke and looking for someone to play Leia. In fact, we could even be seeing a uh, love interest of Luke at this time. But... It is worthy of note that they are set to be the exact same age, with casting call between 8 and 11 years old. And it does give us a good timeline for the fact that Luke is likely going to be, is going to be set around 8 to 11 years after the events of Revenge of the Sith. So it'll be interesting to see exactly what this means and how that impacts the overall story of the Obi-Wan Kenobi show. Because... Many of us anticipated Obi-Wan to stay, or thought that Obi-Wan stayed on Tatooine for the majority, or for the entirety of the time in between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope, all 19 years. The concept of Obi-Wan leaving Tatooine, even for a trip around the planet, is actually very, very impressive, very interesting. Rebels gives us the idea when we have a brief episode and a shot of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Ezra and Maul both find Obi-Wan Kenobi, and there's a conversation between Maul and Kenobi, where Kenobi alludes to the fact that he has been out tattooing, guarding who, someone they believe to be the Chosen One, um, which is implied to be Luke. Again, in Master and Apprentice, there's... Or, sorry, not in Master and Apprentice. In Master and Apprentice, the short story within the overall novel, from a certain point of view, which takes place for during A New Hope, and handles small stories from characters who we get to meet in A New Hope, who never really got to... Uh, a voice, and it does does very interesting stories, and there's another one coming out for the characters in An Empire Strikes Back, but in the short story Master and Apprentice by Claudia Gray, there's a really, really cool scene where Qui-Gon visits Obi-Wan Kenobi, and in Revenge of the Sith, we learn that Qui-Gon has had the, learned the ability to come back from the nether regions of the Force, and to actually commune with other people, and that that is going that Obi-Wan is going to be able to receive some training from Qui-Gon and Qui-Gon likely is to give him companionship while he is as Obi-Wan, as Qui-Gon sa- or as Yoda says in exile on Tatooine guarding Luke Skywalker. So 
Qui-Gon appears to Obi-Wan right as they f- right after they find Owen and Beru uh, killed by the stormtroopers. So Luke is outside taking care of kind of the, the burial of his aunt and uncle, and Obi-Wan returns to his house and has this moment alone with Qui-Gon to kind of discuss the future and, and what's happened and just kind of general feelings. And in this talk, they they go over a lot of really cool things, and it's definitely worth a read. But Obi-Wan says that I've waited for this day for a long time. It feels like I've waited for my entire life. And he's, ref- of course, we're speaking to the time of going out and uh, rescuing Princess Leia. And he says that the Clone Wars were long ago. For nearly two decades, I have been little more than a shadow waiting to become a Jedi Knight again. And Qui-Gon is a very cool message for him, but I want to focus on that concept of for little, for two decades, I have been little more than a shadow waiting to become a Jedi Knight again. To me, this seems to kind of convey the message that Obi-Wan really hasn't been going out on miss- missions. He hasn't really been doing anything that he considers worthy of a Jedi Knight. Rather, he's just been a shadow, someone kind of watching Luke and making sure that he survives to adulthood, survives to this moment where Obi-Wan can take him under his wing and train him and into the Jedi that Obi-Wan and Yoda believe he needs to become to, of course, vanquish Vader and Palpatine, etc. But that concept that from the Master and Apprentice is that Obi-Wan has been there, or implies to me that, he, that Obi-Wan has been there for basically all 19 years. Now, of course, even if it explicitly stated Obi-Wan was there for 20 years, Star Wars has retconned um, ideas from books. I mean, even this most previous Clone Wars arc that we got to see um, was handled in the Ahsoka novel and the events of her fighting Maul and the events of Order 66 all take place very differently in the novel. But when we get to see it on the screen in the Clone Wars, it was a retcon from the novel and, of course, that is the, uh, according to Star Wars, that if it's on the screen, that counts as canon before books. But it worked out very well. It was fine. I know a lot of other people did videos talking about the differences. Um, I know I was definitely surprised with some of the directions they took, but it wouldn't be the first time that Star Wars has taken something that's been said in a book or said in another medium and kind of ignored it for the overall importance of the story on screen. And so if they go ahead and say that Obi-Wan has left Tatooine. Uh, That's what's happened. And it'll be interesting to see, because for me personally, I think Obi-Wan should stay on Tatooine for all 20 years. Now, I don't think that'll necessarily be the most exciting TV show. You know, if they just have Obi-Wan sitting there for 20 years, that'd be kind of a boring TV show. And it'd be interesting to see what that all means. But I personally think Obi-Wan should remain on Tatooine. The concept of him abandoning Luke, even for a mission... Uh, to go meet Leia or to go rescue Bail Organa or Leia Organa, something along those lines. It, it seems almost absurd to me, just the concept that uh, Obi-Wan would ever leave Luke. If there's the idea that Yoda and Obi-Wan kind of have a conversation that both of the twins can rise up to their father's potential and be the chosen one. And it seems that Obi-Wan believes more strongly that Obi that uh, Luke Skywalker is the 
chosen one, that he is the one that will rise up. But it's also, and it also seems that Yoda believes that Luke is going to wind up too much like his dad, that he's going to be brash, that he's going to be too impulsive and have anger and fear, just like his father before him, and go down that same dark path. So it could be possible that in this in this concept that Obi-Wan and Yoda's first priority is actually Leia Organa. Hence why Leia gets the name change. She becomes an Organa. She doesn't get Skywalker as her name. Um, she gets to go live with Bale and his wife, whose name I'm blanking on right now. But they get to go live, and she gets a normal life. She gets a life that, you know, makes sense, where Luke kind of goes to Vader's homeworld. He is almost like bait for Leia. So maybe if they believed that Leia was in danger and Yoda felt it more strongly that Obi-Wan and Yoda needed to protect Leia first and Luke was kind of secondary, then that would be an interesting spin just because it does seem that Yoda believed Leia to be the chosen the chosen one or the one that they should focus on rather than Luke Skywalker, even though it seems like Obi-Wan was generally believing, hey, Luke's the guy. But... I do think Obi-Wan would always listen to Yoda over his own personal beliefs. And I think he's demonstrated that quite a few times. But it will be interesting to see, and I would love to actually maybe see that sort of complexity or to even have a flashback to what what Leia's doing. There's time period, even though it may not have enough to do with Obi-Wan. I think more information is always interesting. And now there is, of course, Leia, Princess of Alderaan, which is a great book kind of detailing these young years of her life and her relationship with her father. But, you know, getting the Jedi's perspectives of what is going on. But I just wanted to know what you guys would think. What's Should Leia appear in this novel? Should Luke and Leia ever meet before? Um, I, I don't think so, but... And this does bring a lot of questions on how the flow of the Obi-Wan Kenobi TV series is going to be. Whether it's all going to take place on Tatooine or not. But, uh, of course, this is just some speculation based on a casting call. But hey, it's Star Wars and we love to speculate, so stay tuned for more information, and if this ever does become more official and we get uh, official castings, we will update you on very credible sources on our pages or our Facebook and Instagram. So thank you so much for tuning in, everybody, and as always, may the Force be with you.